Okay, three, two, one. Hello and welcome to another episode of The Third Wheel. I'm one of your hosts, Hamish. And I'm your other host, Aaron. And today we're joined by Samo. I think that's the correct way to say it. Well, that's at least based on your Instagram name. So Samo, please tell us a little bit about yourself. And so, yeah, Samo is actually a call out from the Bianca episode. So Yeah, so uh, very excited to be here to finally meet you guys. We were supposed to uh, have a chat quite a while ago. But we were scheduling a little bit back and forth. But yeah, great to be here. Honestly, Bianca told me a lot about your episode. She she nominated me to be on your podcast, guys. We met in Hong Kong when we were both studying on exchange. We were in the same residence. First of all, we didn't really kind of know each other. But then we got a mutual friend that I knew from before. And we did a few travels around, you know, Southeast Asia, Asia in general. And yeah, we've kept in touch. We haven't seen each other for quite a while, but uh, we keep active on social media. I know, keep track of each other. So it's really, it's really good to be here. Hopefully, all good from her. From what she said about the podcast. Hopefully. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So um, Hong Kong, that was where you two met. You went there to study, same as yeah, Bianca. So I would say kind of the red line of what I, I would like to talk about today is basically my university path, right? Which I think is very, very unconventional because I've been so far in the span of four years to three different universities as well as uh, on exchange, right? And maybe, oh, maybe yeah. I don't know, it gives an idea for somebody who listens to this, maybe an inspiration, you know, to kind of try to go a little bit out of your comfort zone to try out new stuff, you know, if not anything else, just to make the most out of your tuition money that you're paying. And then see the world as well. So I'm actually from Slovenia originally, which is a small country in, uh, in mm-hmm. you know, middle of Europe, right next to Italy, above Croatia. Only two million people, very small. A lot of people usually mistake it for Slovakia. I don't know why. I was I was looking up the Slovenia flag. Oh no, I was checking. So on your Instagram, you've got the Slovenia Correct. flag. I was like, okay, I think that's Slovenia. So I was googling the Slovenia flag, and I saw it was like similar. But then I was like, wait, but could that be Slovakia? And I googled the Slovakia flag, and it was almost identical, apart from like the little, like crest on the, the side, the right? Crest, yeah, the yeah. crest. That's the main difference. That's the main difference. Uh, the crest in Slovenia flag actually represent all types of terrain that we have. Uh, you know, there's mountains, there's rivers, there's sea, there's lakes. That's the three water lines. Mm-hmm. Uh, three-headed mountain represents the tallest mountain in Slovenia, called Triglav, and then the three stars kind of represent uh, the three counts that were very prominent 200 years ago in Slovenia and it kind of started the whole let's say formation of the country today as we know it and then the white red and blue yeah is kind of shared between all the Slavic countries you know Russia basically has the uh, same okay. flag as us except without the crescent right and so does Slovakia and uh, Serbia Croatia and so on yeah that's it's a lot more advanced than the English flag <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah and where exactly are you guys from Arabic, go on. yeah yeah i'm from well okay this is a a contentious topic <laughs> have okay i'll go i'll go for it have you heard of essex yeah absolutely okay cool cool i'm from yes. i'm from a town called raynham which is I in heard of raynham. essex yeah i'm also so this is where the contentious bit comes into it if you google if you go on google maps and google london I'm inside of the area they highlight. <laughs> okay. So I also sometimes might say I'm from London, but okay. people from how, London seem to have a problem with that. <laughs> how often do you say that as opposed to uh, saying you're from Essex? Uh, quite a lot. I'm not going to lie to you. I'm not going to lie. I, I think if 
saying you're from Essex doesn't exactly have the best uh, reputation. So, <laughs> uh, okay, so definitely uh, the I, I, I might say London. <laughs> I, I lived in America for a year. So I, over there, I was just like, yeah, I'm from London. It just made things uh, a lot easier. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, that makes sense. Okay, that's great. So you know what the North American college culture is all about, I assume. I, I didn't go for college. I went for work, like after okay. university. Even better. For a year. So I don't, I basically know, I didn't like experience it, but I kind of know what it's like. Yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. But yeah, Hamish can say he's actually from London. <laughs> yeah, I'm from Northwest London. So I guess the easiest reference point for people to know where I'm from is Wembley Stadium. I'm like a 40 minute, 45 minute walk from there. Okay. Yeah, I know where Wembley Stadium is. I've been to London a few times right now. Looking forward to going back, probably to say hi to Bianca in the meanwhile as well. Yeah. Haven't seen her in a while. But yeah, what were, you, what were you saying about Slovenia? So extremely small, small country. Yeah, it's 2 million people. You know, it's 2 million people. I think another half a million around the world because we had a lot of uh, emigration in the past, let's say, 100 years, you know, partially to the war, partially due to economic circumstances. But it's a wonderful country to live in, you know. Uh, yeah. It's very comfortable. St- standard of life is, is fairly high, you know, when you compare it to, to some other countries in the world. As well as it's beautiful, you know, the nature is absolutely astonishing. You can find anything there. Cuisine is fantastic. And it's also in the middle of everything. As you know, travel in Europe is, is very affordable. It's very accessible. And uh, Slovenia is in the middle of everything. You have the Alps, you have the seashore and, you know, the best of what, let's say, the Midlands have to offer, you know, Hungary and so on. Yeah. So it's just a short car ride. But I decided to go study abroad. Because I feel like there's more opportunities abroad, you know, especially North, North America. And I had a fantastic opportunity of, of going and studying uh, in undergraduate in Canada, which I obviously took. Yeah. So first year of college, I went to Bishop's University, which is in Sherbrooke. It's about an hour away from Montreal and Quebec. One thing I didn't know is that the university was actually known for partying, right? <laughs> and I only found that out after I came there because my knowledge of Canadian universities, even though I did a lot of research on them. Yeah. Right? was kind of you know reputation is, is something else that you find out later <laughs> so it's like kind of like the frat houses oh, and stuff absolutely. like that yeah. absolutely the only thing is bishop's university itself is kind of a frat university itself like it's there's only 2600 people so everybody pretty much knows everybody so it's, it's like saying you know everybody's the same big frat there's a lot of parties on campus there's a lot of parties off campus it's a great, it's a great school. You know, even, even the academics, fantastic. Every professor knows your name. You know, it's a, it's a unique experience. Okay. It's one of those kind of liberal type of colleges where everybody knows everybody. And, you know, it has its, its upsides, of course, some downsides as well. But generally speaking, it's a wonderful experience. So, and also Bishops has a fantastic exchange program, right? So if anybody's, anybody's listening, uh, who's listening to this podcast right now, if you're planning on going on exchange, you should definitely consider bishops. We had quite a few people who went on a change there, decided to transfer as well. Yeah. So it's 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 one of a kind of experience. What's what's like the selling point? I would say close knit community, beautiful nature, and the best of what I would say North American student life in college has to offer, for sure. Yeah. And what what did you go to study? International business. I've always been interested in that. Right. Uh, even in high school, I was going to high school of economics in, in the capital of Slovenia, which was of which the curriculum was a little bit uh, more focused on entrepreneurship, economics and so on. And I guess that combined with 
kind of my uncle, you know, encouraged me to study in that direction. And I'm really happy I chose the program because honestly, there's a lot of opportunity. You know, the knowledge that you get, you can directly apply it. Network is, networking is fantastic. And, uh, you know, if you put it to work, you can also make some money. That's, yeah. that's what it's all about. Is, yeah. is, um, <laughs> what, what do you study in like a business kind of degree? Because I think the perception or for me anyway, like studying business is kind of like, okay, you just learn how to like make your own company. Basic quite a lot more, a lot more to it than just that. Oh, absolutely. A hundred percent. So I would say that, you know, if you compare it to, let's say engineering or psychology or other programs, there's a fine mix between concept learning and then some facts or mathematics and stuff, right? Because obviously in business, there's a lot of different directions. Then later on you specialize, there's a lot of different ways. There's finance, there's HR, marketing and so on. I went in international business, which is a little bit more general, uh, but with emphasis on global aspects of it, meaning we, you know, analyze cross-border transactions, a lot of cultural understanding, which is what I'm interested in, especially since I come from a little bit more international background, yeah. right? And plan on working internationally as well after I graduate. It's definitely a fantastic program. But yeah, to answer your question, it's everything, you know, from mathematics to a little bit more, let's say, applied stuff, some concept, a lot of case analysis. And what you learn is practically the way of thinking. It's not, it's not like you're going to come out of business school saying, oh, you know, I know what happened with Apple in 1985, right? But uh, you try to understand how people who are successful in business are thinking mm-hmm. and also, you know, kind of how to analyze the practices, which you can later on apply because obviously every business situation is unique. Uh, yeah. And it made a lot of sense doing international business rather as you said like you plan to work internationally and coming from like an international background what was it about that college in particular i guess because you grew up in slovenia i guess if you're looking to go study outside of slovenia you have basically the whole world to choose from yeah that's another story uh so i was actually when i was younger i always said i'm gonna go study abroad Right. But then when time for college came, I already said I'm going to the faculty of, of um, informatics at the University of Ljubljana, which is a really good school. I knew I was going, going to get accepted because I had decent grading high school. But then first year or fourth year in uh, my high school, my uncle asked me, who is also a big inspiration to me. He said, are you afraid of going abroad? I said, no. He said, why don't you go study abroad then? And from that point on, I started seriously considering, you know, going abroad for undergrad. And I actually did a lot of research. My first first um, kind of option that I was considering was actually Italy, Bocconi University, if you've heard about it, which mm. is kind of close to home. Yeah, it's, it's a really good business school in Italy as well. It's kind of close to home. But then when I looked at, you know, the tuition and living expenses and so on, because obviously those were very, very important factors. Yeah. I started analyzing pretty much the whole world. I was looking at schools from Australia to UK to uh, Canada. U.S. is obviously out of budget, right? Because it's it's really expensive. And uh, I kind of came to the conclusion that Canada has the best ratio between quality and price of studies. Okay, so the price, I assumed the price was the same in Canada and America, but that's not the case. Not at all, not at all, especially not in Quebec. So in Quebec, there's three universities. Quebec is a francophone province in Canada, right? There's three universities in Quebec which teach in English. So one of them is Bishops, where I went in first year. One of them is Concordia, where I will be graduating next year. And the third one is McGill, 
which is McGill is one of the top universities in the world. Now, tuition between let's say Concordia and McGill, is, at least for business, is you know there's a big difference. I would say even as much as McGill can be 100% more expensive. But if you compare it to schools in, let's say, British Columbia or even in Ontario, for example, the University of Toronto, it's much, much, much cheaper. Okay. And when you compare, even when you compare University of British Columbia, which tends to be one of the most expensive in Canada, yeah. it's still considerably cheaper than, university, than average university in the US. Is it cheaper than the UK as well? It's about the same. But when it comes to living expenses, obviously it depends on where in the UK you live, but in Quebec, living expenses are, are phenomenal, right? For example, in Montreal, I have a studio right now, downtown, literally five minutes walk from my school, which is also downtown. I'm paying equivalent of about 400 pounds per month for a studio apartment. Wow. That's mad. That's mad. Downtown as well. It's, it's mad. Yeah. What's the weather like there? Because in Canada, I always assume it's like snowy. So that's obviously a lot of snow, especially, you know, in the winter. Summers are, summers are beautiful. Summers are really fresh, nice, uh, sunny. But then when it comes November, it gets really dark and snowy. But, you know, nightlife, it doesn't affect the nightlife because everybody there is used to it. And also Montreal is a very, very cosmopolitan city, right? Meaning there's an insane amount of international people, right? And this is what I think brings the beauty to it. Also Montreal, if I'm not mistaken, has been ranked as number one student city in North America. And I think as of this year, number four in the world just for you know affordability quality of schools international life and so on it's it's really it's it's a it's a fantastic city to study in and it's also very affordable you're convincing me to go study then i don't even have anything left to study you should, you should degree you know? wise at least well hey you said you wanted to study in probably in america north america in a way if you're doing like a phd or something yeah, yeah, but those are only like very few universities that specialize in it. But well, he he's just given a compelling argument, minus the winter. <laughs> no, it's not that bad. You can get uh, warm by uh, many different stuff over there, you know, from bars to to clubs. Yeah, it's, it's really good. I, th- I think it's quite uh, different here because I guess growing up in the UK and then going through like school in the UK, there's so many universities here. You kind of it's almost assumed you'll just go to a university in the UK, and I ne- I never thought of never crossed my mind to go abroad. I don't think I would have been confident at that age going abroad. But it was only when I lived in America and worked there and I went to visit like Berkeley and Stanford and just like oh, walking Yeah, like walking around their campus, I I genuinely like felt jealous that I didn't go and study at <laughs> one of these like colleges or just like a college in America because I or North America because I assume they're so they're just so large and so like the things you kind of see in the movies. How many did you visit, Aaron? Just just those two. Oh, okay. But they're like two of the top ones like in the world, especially for like computer science and tech and stuff like that. Um mm-hmm. I remember being at Stanford and I was like, I don't want to leave fam. Like why did why did we go Warwick after seeing that? I'm so great. <laughs> yeah. grateful for Warwick still. Did you kind of have that like first impression of yeah, your university in Canada, like kind of almost like wow, an almost wow factor? Oh, absolutely, a hundred percent. A hundred percent. It's completely different than going to university in Slovenia, you know? It's still an awesome experience, but the fact is, again, Slovenia is a small country, right? So hmm. you tend to run into the same people, you go to the same clubs and so on. So, you know, of course, you had the opportunity, you know, if, if you're adventurous to go somewhere abroad, it's fantastic. But in terms of university itself, it's a whole different system. You know, it's way more liberal. It gives you more free time to do your own stuff. Yeah. 
right? And I, I have a feeling, you know, so I've never, I've never really experienced university life in Slovenia, but based on what I've been talking with my friends who are there is, you know, I feel like in North America, you're just more encouraged from every side to, to work on your own stuff, you know, not just focus yeah. on the studies, which at the end of the day is really uh, what's going to make the difference between you and all the others who are sitting with you in the classroom, right? What you do on the side. And I feel like North American culture, college culture really encourages that part in you, kind of tries to bring in the best out of you, of course, if you get involved in extracurricular activities. Yeah. That's up to you. That's your part. Did you get up to much? Any side hustles? Yeah, a bunch. So <laughs> first year, I'm not going to lie, not so much because I kind of spent quite a lot of, I mean, not a lot of time, but there was a kind of a period of adaptation, right? Because it was a whole new environment. You know, there was quite a decent amount of partying as well. Not going to lie, especially <laughs> since the bishops. But yeah, especially then second year, I went on exchange to Hong Kong. Mm -hmm. And Hong Kong is, as you know, the kind of one of the financial metropolis of the world and at that time cryptocurrencies were very prominent right started to rise okay and i had this friend that i met a year earlier uh, when i was when i was backpacking through the us the summer after high school and he was i knew he was also in the cryptocurrencies interested in them i was also interested in cryptocurrencies and we actually started a startup so what we were doing is Kind of a longer story, but essentially integrating different review systems of uh, entities such as uh, car rentals, you know, travel agencies and so on onto the blockchain. And with that, eliminating the fake reviews, kind of creating our own ecosystem and people who would contribute to it were incentivized, were to be incentivized with the token we launched based on Ethereum, mm -hmm. which was kind of a, what everybody else was also doing at that time. I don't know if how familiar you are with cryptocurrencies, but one big thing that was going on in 2017 was initial coin offerings. You heard about them? Heard about it, but don't don't know uh, much. Yeah, so essentially, it's you barely have to have any prototype. You just have to prove that you have a capable team. You know that you have some knowledge behind it, and so on. Have a nice white paper, basically just description of the concept. And people are just throwing money at it because it happened, you know, that overnight those coins went up by 10,000%, you know, or more. And it's crazy. And we practically with very, very, you know, let's say modest marketing, we managed to raise 40,000, uh, equivalent of 40,000 US dollars uh, just with posts on Reddit, Facebook and Instagram. So obviously that was way below our expectations because, you know, for the whole thing, we had to have way more. And there was also a clause that if we raise less than a certain amount, we would return all the money to the backers, which is what we ended up doing. But generally speaking, it was a great experience. And because of that, we also went uh, all the team we had. So six people in the US, I was in Hong Kong, and then the technical part was outsourced from India. Uh, but the core team from US and me, myself, were starting to trade, practically day trade cryptocurrencies at that point. Because it was a matter of finding what is more green, right? What goes up more because everything was going up. It was crazy. It was an insane period of time. And I made quite a lot of money. I also lost quite a lot of money <laughs> because I didn't have an exit strategy. But, uh, you know, it was quite an experience. It was quite an experience. So regarding side hustles, that's, you know, in terms of kind of money making stuff that was it for Dan in Hong Kong but besides that I was involved in a lot of extracurriculars mostly for networking right mm -hmm. HKU is one of the top universities in in the world and through those programs you meet a lot of people 
with whom I still keep in contact. Yeah. When you said lost a lot of money, do you mean as in the investment money or your or your own money? Like no, no, no. So I can go into specific because I mean it's it's not a secret, right? So I started with about three thousand equivalent of three thousand US dollars in about four months. With kind of active day trading, I made about a hundred and forty thousand, of oh, which gosh. over the past over the next uh, year and a half, I cashed out only about thirty thousand, which went a little bit for my tuition, a little bit for living expenses. And when I was in Hong Kong, I traveled quite a lot, but I I was kind of dumb, right? Because again, I didn't have an exit strategy. I could never imagine I was going to make that much money in such a short period of time. But it's a learning experience, you know. That's what I can say I got for for the hundred thousand that I made and lost. <laughs> so wait, would you was it like a, I guess the gamblers like you know the gamblers move where they like oh I can make more or was it just like as you just said like was it just one of those things where you needed to learn <laughs> the hard way I guess though you still you still came out on top I'd say like kind of you can you can say that but the fact is again I was when it came so i i had a good understanding of fundamentals you know of cryptocurrencies what made a good crypto cryptocurrency a good cryptocurrency but the fact is when it comes to trading there's a lot of other factors involved which i didn't understand well at the time you know from trading strategies to how emotions impact markets and so on and i was good at picking at picking which cryptocurrencies were going up i also had a good network of friends who were kind of in the same in the same deal you know so we we exchanged a lot of information we spent a lot of nights on Skype and so on, and it paid off. But then when it started falling, I remember the top was on, I think, January 16, 2018. I remember I was sitting in my classroom. It was one of the courses at HKU. I was not paying attention at all. I was just looking at the charts, like pressing, refreshing, pressing F5 to refresh. I remember I was I made in about half an hour 10,000 US dollars. I was like mind blown right i i couldn't imagine oh, yeah. but just in a lecture you just sit there like, <laughs> right that's one year of tuition for you yeah. <laughs> right crazy it's crazy i was i do not remember at all what was going on in the lecture i just remember that seeing that chart but the thing is by the end of that day i have already lost about forty thousand. right this is how fast it used to go up and down yeah and i was you know the cryptocurrency up until that point was kind of like, you know, in terms of growth, it took five steps forward and two steps back and five step, steps forward and two steps back. But from that tipping point, I feel like everything just kind of went downhill. And I was like, yeah, you know, I will, I will just wait until it goes back up. And I was just looking at my portfolio going down and down for the next three months and a half. It cost me a lot of nerves, it cost me a lot of nerves. I'm not going to lie about that. But again, you know, it's it's something that I supposed to learn from it. Yeah, hey, Mish, we might have to name one of the clips like how to make ten thousand dollars in an yeah, hour. Yeah, I'm thinking, I was like, I was like making a hundred forty k from three k, and then that's the YouTube clip. <laughs> yeah, um, day trading seems like so. There's a guest I I hope we'll get on at some point, like a friend of mine who does day trading, and um, it just seems like such a dodgy thing to do. Like it's so oh, like, as you say, like so volatile, but I see like so many people who do it and they're just like so successful from it. Yeah. The fact is it takes a lot of nerves and also you have to know what you're doing. Cause if, if you don't know what you're doing, exactly what you're doing, right. You're going to lose a lot of money real fast. So yeah. 
I assume we hear more about the positives than the negatives, so that's why mm. we always think. So yeah. I assume that on the day to day, those people must be like either hella stressed or like yeah, yeah. Who knows, fam? Like I don't know. I don't know if I want to live every second. I have to be like ready to sell or buy whatever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was it practically consumed my life. You know, I mean, it didn't consume my life because I was on exchange. You know, I was enjoying my life. But every morning, first thing you check your portfolio. Last thing, you know. Before you fall asleep, you check your, your portfolio and probably 30 times in between the day, at least uh, in the middle of the night when you go, you know, to drink water, you check your portfolio. And it, it actually does take a lot of nerves. It takes a lot of nerves, especially if everything is falling. But I suppose it's a little bit, you know, I would say comforting, comforting if you know that, you know, you're losing money that you didn't put in as an initial investment as opposed to something that you have made along the way. This reminds me of like in AS, yeah, so when I did economics for you, our teacher yeah, made us go into, so in our pairs that we are sat as, I don't know where you got this simulation game from. I think it was specifically for academic purposes. So over the course of like maybe two or three months or whatever, everyone had to, as their pair, they had to make decisions to buy and we got given obviously like fake money and it was based on some sort of real market. I don't know what the name or anything was. And I remember like at the beginning, me and my friend had no idea what we were doing. And they only changed by the day, not by every second. Otherwise, it would have been quite problematic for yeah, yeah. students as well. <laughs> so we had about like 10,000 to start with. And we didn't really know what you're we doing at the beginning. So when we invested here, we just made losses right away. Yeah, like me and my friend. And then some people were like skyrocketing ahead. They had 3,000 profit. And I was like, yeah, we're going to do something. Yeah, we got to figure out what, what the fuck we're doing. And then within like the next two weeks, yeah, we had actually gone from like a £2,000 loss back into like, I think, a £1,000 gain. <laughs> and then we were trying to like keep up, but it was so hard because we had to keep reading up on these things. And I was just like, look, yeah, I can't be fucked reading up anymore. Just keep it on these companies because they're doing steady. They're staying steady. Yeah. So we'll just leave it here. Or we'll cash out if it's about to drop below 10k because we're not coming below like the top three in the class. I want the prize, you know, like I wanted that voucher or whatever the hell we were being given. I don't think we made the top three afterwards, sadly. The thing dipped and yeah, it was rest in peace to us there. I think it's just for kind of shits and giggles, usually those trading competitions. But it gives you a feel of what it's like, you know, but obviously no nerves involved. It's, it's addictive, isn't it? Like once you yeah. maybe oh. get that first taste of getting money, yeah, like going in profit. Or doing something like right and as you said getting ten thousand in like an hour or something it makes you feel like okay i can keep doing this and get more and more and more almost like a form of gambling to an extent i don't know is it classed as gambling 100%, it's, it's 100 percent gambling yeah especially in markets which you know don't tend to it's gonna it's gonna sound fancy but don't tend to adhere to the you know trading fundamentals like cryptocurrencies because in crypto i would say 90 percent of you know the whole graph thing is based on emotions right it's literally just buy and sell there's so 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 many newbies and i was one of them you know don't get me wrong who who tend to a lot of times even you know buy high sell low and that's the worst thing you can do <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's the worst thing you can do for me it was quite a lot of luck involved you know getting in at the right time but also i put in a lot of work you know afterwards did a lot of research and so on but again, if I had a little bit better strategy, because when you're doing trading, when you're buying stocks, when you're doing anything, you have to have the exit strategy, right? Meaning when I make this set amount, regardless of what the situation is, I'm going to cash out. Right. For example, when it falls under this limit, I'm going to sell regardless of what situation is. And if I had this, I think I would have probably you know, gotten away with a little bit more money than I did. 
But again, it was something. So I need to actually. This is actually like going to make me look for like a simulation game of some sort related <laughs> to this again. I tried to find one. Is it not good remember, like, to go years down. after. Like at uni, I kept trying to find a game that would like do an equivalent kind of simulation. I just couldn't find anything where you could buy like certain amount of stock, like you know, shares in each company and so on. But I couldn't find anything. But oh my days, it's going to get me back into that loop. I need to stop before I'm lost on my head. Yeah. Even though that it won't cost me anything because I won't be putting real money down. I'm too like, <laughs> yeah, I'm not willing yeah. to take the risk. Yeah, I'll be obsessed. I, I, I'm just thinking about at the peak of when I used to play FIFA ultimate team and it's it's not even comparable but just like selling and trading online virtual cards i haven't put no money into it and and like being obsessed over it like checking like hourly if something had sold or if something was like going on a cheap that i could buy quickly yeah i i wouldn't be able to hack it don't hack it i'm not gonna i'm not gonna fall down it so it's right yeah back in a level i think before they had like so like as gcs i think before they had that they put something in place to prevent like such like volatility in the fifa market for players but before there used to be a website that used to tell people to buy and sell at this yeah yeah so it was controlled by like yeah it's actually been banned fifa ultimate team in a particular country i think it might be belgium because it's now classed as gambling are you kidding me that like game mode maybe it's not belgium (laughs) i know it's in some country in europe it is Band, but. You know, in Hong Kong, the one interesting fact about Hong Kong is that every form of gambling is prohibited, right? That's why everybody goes to, to casinos in Macau, which is just a ferry ride across the water, ah. uh, except uh, horse racing, right? Horse racing is uh, a huge thing in, in, uh, in Hong Kong. And it's, it's really interesting. They're held every Wednesday. So gambling spans, but horse racing is allowed. Exactly. <laughs> Do they bet on the horses? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. That's the whole point, right? And in fact, so I really don't remember the name of, you know, the company or the family who runs everything, but they're a huge sponsor and benefactor to many, many places in Hong Kong, right? There's so many buildings and schools and so on named, I think even a hospital, if I remember correctly, after, after them, because they just make so much money with, with this uh, betting. Is this some sort of British benefactor? Because I thought like horse racing was like... Very possibly. I mean, Hong Kong is has a lot of British heritage. You know, until 1997, it used to belong under British flag. Hong Kong might be uh, the third wheel's second country. We've uh, oh, yeah. we've had a few Hong Kong based or studied in Hong Kong guests of late. Ever since Bianca, really. Yeah. Yeah. But um, going back to Hong Kong, so you say so what you did one year in Canada. One year in Canada, second year on exchange in Hong Kong. Yeah. And third year. Uh, I was actually trying to transfer to University of Hong Kong because I fell in love with the city. Oh, really? It's, it's, uh, it's my favorite place in the world, probably. I mean, it is my favorite place in the world. I tried transferring there. They didn't take me, fortunately. So I decided to transfer to Concordia University, which is in the heart of Montreal, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, which is also a really good business school, John Molson School of Business, where I'll be graduating this year. So I was supposed to graduate in Concordia after two years. So this may practically but because i transferred they couldn't find some equivalents for my courses uh and then two semesters ago i had to drop a french course because it was a bit too much for me so now i have an extra year left but i might be going on exchange to barbados in barbados. winter 2020 barbados Mad. yes barbados i said to myself i want to spend my last semester of my five-year undergrad on a beach right? Yeah, it's not bad. And I think Barbados is a fantastic, fantastic option to do so. <laughs> that sounds amazing. So you just kind of like, okay, wait, so you're going to graduate from Montreal, right? Concordia University, correct. Oh, Concordia. Okay. 
Yeah, okay, cool. <laughs> because I, w- I was trying to check your LinkedIn, yeah, like figure out which university are you graduating from because I can't tell what's what unless you graduate from all of them. But yeah, no. that's, that's kind of amazing <laughs> using university to travel. This is one degree. All of this is one this degree. This is one degree. This is one degree. <laughs> so you can, you can just jump from uni to uni. No, so look, what I did, I'm kind of using the loopholes a little bit, right? You got to study the system just a little bit to figure out what's possible and what's not. But essentially, so I, I went to Bishop's University in my first year. From that, when I was still technically in Bishop's, I went on exchange from Bishop's to Hong Kong, yeah. right? But I was still a student of Bishop's. And from that, in my third year, I transferred from Bishop's to Concordia, which is just inside the same province. So there's not a lot of issues with visa and so on, because obviously you have to update your, all of your documents. And then because five of my courses, which equals one semester, didn't get transferred from Bishops, from two years at Bishops to Concordia, that means that I still need to complete two full years at Concordia, right? And because of that, I can still go on another exchange. Okay. So, Hamish, you said, yeah, earlier. Is that something that's allowed in the UK? I looked for computer science. I didn't know in the case of, I guess, exchange or like, you know, traveling, using it to, I guess, be in another part of the world. But I know for computer science, it was because we, we kind of learned the majority, like the same thing across universities. Like it was possible to transfer to like, for example, from UCL to Imperial or something or the other way around. Because I think Imperial is better than UCL. Right. That's why I was under that impression. Because I did look it up here. I was like, so if I went Imperial, like could I have transferred to UCL? Like what are the differences in module and so on? And they said you could as long, but sometimes... If the modules don't align up with what they've taught or what they can teach or whatever, then you have to do the year again or something. Exactly. And, but he, I, li- I like Sam- Samuel's like, loophole here to use it to be in another country, I guess. I mean, Concordia and Bishops are in the same country. They're, in fact, about... Sorry, but... Yeah, I meant go to Hong Kong yeah, yeah. and go to Barbados because I don't think you could do that on a single degree otherwise, could you? No, you can't. It's going to be basically if I go, right? It's a, a little bit up in the air, but if I go, it's, it, will, it will be my third semester abroad. And normally you can only have two semesters abroad right within a degree but as i said you know if you if you find a little bit of loopholes in the system that <laughs> i rate that a lot i rate so that a lot. barbados so barbados has a university it does it's called university of west indies at cave hill and it's literally three minutes walk from a beautiful sandy beach barbados itself is an extremely small island right mm-hmm. if you walk from the furthest point to the other side if you walk it's eight hours walk right through the whole island across the whole island you know, it's it's kind of a tourist spot. We'll see, because obviously, you know, one of the decisive factors whether I'm going or not is obviously COVID. Um, yep. I feel like you know, in winter there might be a little bit less tourism. So what? You know, so what? As long as I can do my last presentation on a sandy beach, I'm happy. <laughs> what made you even like if if I knew I was doing like an exchange or going somewhere else to study, Barbados would be one of the like. Not, not that I don't like Barbados. I, I would love to go study in Barbados, but I just wouldn't think of Barbados to even be a place where I could go and study. Why not go to Spain? Like, out of curiosity, like because I'm from Europe, you know. I've oh, spent okay. So I've never been to Spain. I, I mean, I've been to Ibiza and Palma de Mallorca on a cruise only for a day, but I've never been to continental Spain. That's definitely a place which is really high up on my on my places to travel to go to. But the reason why I went to Barbados is so I checked what Concordia offers. You know, you know, places I've never been, something I've never experienced. I've never been to Central America or Caribbean, so why not? Yeah, I, w- I would say Barbados probably has a few legs up over Spain. Possibly, 
But also, you know, Spain is a wonderful country. Yeah, yeah. Honestly, I hope to live in Spain one, one okay. day, maybe even. And also, you know, I was trying to, to think, where could I go in exchange, which will give me an experience which I don't see myself doing in the next decade or so? Because obviously, when you start working, yeah, I mean, obviously, you know, depending on what you do, but when am I going to have time to live on an island, on a small island for half a year? Right? Yeah. That's kind of the, the thought process that, I'm jealous. I'm jealous, to. man. <laughs> I'm not sure I'm going yet, so don't jinx. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fingers crossed. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, just going back a bit, um, from Slovenia, yeah. did you have like any friends that also came out like to Canada to study? Or did you kind of just do it on your own? No, uh, not to Canada. So I know quite a few people from Slovenia who went to UK. Mm-hmm. Uh, some of my closest friends also went on exchange to Germany. Yeah, but generally, I don't know anybody who went to North America. So there's we have this kind of society in Slovenia of so the literal translation is the Society of Slovenians Educated Abroad, and we have quite a nice network of I think 1,500 people all all over the world. There's a few of them in Canada, with whom we tend to, let's say, hang out a little bit, even though they're from Calgary, from Ontario, and so on. But I know two of my peers of similar age, a year up or down, who also went to Canada from Slovenia. That's who I know of, and I'm pretty sure there's nobody else. But a lot of Slovenians, they go to uh, study in UK. UK is very, very attractive, yeah. you know, obviously for, for quality of schools. Is it uh, true what they say about Canadian people and they're just like really nice? I think that's the, yeah. the stereotype. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. 100%. <laughs> yes, it's one of the countries I'd love to go see, Canada. Yeah, it's, Canada is beautiful. You know, the only thing that really, really surprises you is the distance between everything. Hmm. For example, in UK or just generally speaking in Europe, you know, if you take an hour flight, you can be from one place to a whole different world. Whereas in Canada, there's you no know, even even between the cities, for example, Toronto and Montreal, which on the map kind of seem close, it's still a seven hour drive. And in Europe, you kind of take those short distances for granted. Yeah. Whereas in Canada, it's a whole different thing. And it's also travel is much, much more expensive. Okay. Yeah, it's just massive, massive country, isn't it? Absolutely. Um, something you mentioned before as well was, you like just briefly mentioned it, and I was backpacking around the States. Did yeah. you say you did that before you went to university? Yeah, so I went back backpacking in August of 2016. That was right after my high school and before university. I went there for a month. Basically, you know, just took a bus or a train between the cities. I started in Montreal, uh, went down to Boston, New York, Washington, D.C., Atlanta, uh, New Orleans, then took the train for about two or three days to San Diego. Oh, nice. I went out to Tijuana while I was there a little bit, and then up to San Francisco, Seattle, Detroit for a day, Toronto, and uh, back to Montreal was one of the best months of my life, my dude. Yeah, that's mad. I know road trip in America is such like a kind of famous, I guess, mm-hmm. thing to do. Absolutely. That's amazing to do it just after high school. Absolutely. I'm saying, so at that point, my English was, I understood English yeah, and everything, yeah, but yeah. I had very, very heavy accent. I mean, I still have some of it, but at that point I was it really, really, you know, it was a good thing to do before start, starting university because yeah. otherwise I would have been lost with the language, you know, because there's so much difference, especially on academic level. And I feel like going to US for a month, you know, I just got enough conversational to, to be very fluent in classes. What was like the best place out of all the states and cities you went through in America? That's a hard question. Um, Top three, maybe. 
So look, I'll put it that way. The most fun I had in San Diego mm-hmm. because I met I met actually this is where I met in a hostel uh, the guy who we started the the startup in Hong Kong. Together. Okay. Right, we just completely randomly met in a hostel. He was there with some friends, and uh, they had a car. Right, so we went to Tijuana. It was Friday and Saturday. I don't know if you've heard of Tijuana, what it's famous for, but it's basically drinking and. I was gonna say drugs. It's, it's kind of a, <laughs> yeah, so we didn't do drugs. Uh, we went strip club shopping, so it was two very very eventful nights. But yeah, San Diego for sure. It's it's a bit of. I would love to live there. It's a beautiful city. But in terms of interesting stuff, you know, if you ask me which city would I suggest you to visit, I would say New Orleans or obviously New York. Yeah, yeah. New Orleans is fantastic, which is I think oftentimes a little bit overlooked, right? Because it's not one of those big metropolises. Yeah. But uh, it's, it's beautiful. The culture, the cuisine, and the scenery is, is just amazing. Yeah, I was going to say New Orleans famous for like the food, I feel like New Orleans barbecue and stuff like that. Yeah, and also Mardi Gras. Yeah, yeah. It. Yeah, Mardi Gras. Uh, that's a thing in the spring. Also, there was the Hurricane Katrina. I think it was New Orleans. Oh, yeah, but when I was there, it was... So 2016, there were some huge floods in New Orleans, right? And I literally just came in the aftermath of that. And when I was riding the train, everything was underwater. Oh, God. It was crazy. What did you uh, think of? So San Francisco was a place where I worked for a year. What did you think yeah. of San Francisco? So unfortunately, I was there only for a day and a half. Oh, wow, man. So, okay. I was walking in a park in San Francisco, right? And I walk, it was completely empty. And I walk behind this couple. And for some reason, I say, okay, this has to be Mark Zuckerberg, right? <laughs> And I, no, I'm not even kidding. And I followed them, right? I followed, which was kind of creepy. Like I shouldn't have done that. And I said, okay, you know what? Now or never. And I go up to him and I said, hey, excuse me, sir. Like I've been following you a little bit. And he said, yeah, I noticed that. You look like, has anybody ever told you you look a lot like my Mark Zuckerberg? He's, he laughs at me and he says, yeah, I've been getting that quite a lot. And I look at his wife, which was obviously like this Asian lady yeah. looking exactly like Mark Zuckerberg's wife, uh, Priscilla Chan, right? Yeah. And she just looks at the ground and, and smiles. And at that point, I kind of have, because you know the movie Social Network, right? I just yeah. watched it about a month ago prior to that. And I had this impression of Mark Zuckerberg looking like that dude, like the actor dude, right? Yeah. And then mm-hmm. I said to myself when I talked to that guy in, in uh, San Francisco, okay, that's not Mark Zuckerberg. I'm just going to go. And I say, yeah, like, sorry to bother you, sir. You know, have a nice day. And he asked me, oh, where are you from? You know, what are you doing here? And we had a small, like, one-minute chat or so on or so. And we went on our ways. And then I go on and I said, okay, but fuck, I didn't ask him if he is Mark yeah, Zuckerberg, yeah. right? So I took up my phone and I searched him up. Look, and after this day, I am still 100% convinced. <laughs> uh, and, you know, the, the best thing is I even took a photo for, uh, of them from behind, right? I can send it to you guys later, or maybe I can. No, I'm not gonna find it right now. It's but if you, yeah, I know. I mean, obviously, but like if you no, see no, my, it's, you have to do it. But uh, when you compare it, you know, their body types and their heights and their haircuts and everything, and it was an Asian lady with a white dude, which is Mark Zuckerberg and his wife. When you yeah. compare it to any photos online, it matches. It you know, it's the same height, it's the same body type, everything. And then I searched him up a little bit, and it turns out that at that time he was actually building a house in San Francisco, Ooh. right? So I'm a hundred percent sure I met Mark Zuckerberg that day in 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 that park in San Francisco. What was he wearing? He was wearing like jeans, 
nothing, nothing crazy. He was wearing jeans. Uh, I think it was kind of a, a black. That's so Mark Zuckerberg. Black jacket. Yeah, and I think sneakers, but for the wife, I don't remember. Again, I had a photo. I can literally send it to you guys after. Yeah, that's amazing. That's my- I'm 100 sure it was it was him. <laughs> but honestly, maybe a good thing I didn't ask him if he actually is Mark Zuckerberg because I would probably like you know fangirl. He would probably have to yeah. go security. I reckon that was that would be something he'd say as well when he was like, "Yeah, I've been some some people have said that to me a few times as well." Yeah, I reckon he'd try and play it off. So that that's a funny thing, yeah. That was a funny thing. But yeah, to answer your question, you know, how is San Francisco? Honestly, beautiful. It was way, way colder than all the cities. Mm, yeah. For example, you know, two weeks ago, two weeks prior to that, I was in New York. It was like 35 degrees Celsius, whereas San Francisco was like eight degrees during night. A lot of people say it has its own atmosphere. <laughs> yeah. The uh, the coldest winter is summer in San Francisco. I think that's the saying. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I could have got it totally wrong. Hamish, you were going to say something? Yeah, I was gonna say it was mad. I'm more curious, like, in your opinion, like, because I, I was thinking about this. Yeah, like, if you if you see like or someone you think to be a celebrity, do you approach them when they're with like a partner or something? Like, do you disturb like their day out or date and get a picture with them, or like, would you just leave it be and be like, oh, another day, you know, because I don't want to disturb their date or whatever they got going on that day. Oh, like, like, how do you how do you decide? Like, what's what's the scenario that? No, so I mean, me personally, I I would never disturb them, especially if I'm positive that it's them. But on that day in that park, there was literally just us three in an empty park, right? And I said, you know, I wasn't in a situation where I would disturb his evening stroll or anything. They were just making their way through the park, uh, and I I just went up to them and asked them. See, I don't I don't think I would disturb anyone if I saw them at dinner or like in a scenario like that. If it was someone who I was like. Okay, say it's David Beckham, yeah, and I'm seeing him. <laughs> like, this is a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity for me. Like, <sighs> I can't just be like, oh, I'll leave it for another day. When am I ever going to see him again? <laughs> but then also, if it was someone like, I don't know, someone famous. Yeah, Marcus Rashford. Marcus Rashford. I see. And he was with his girlfriend eating food, and you, you don't think you'd ever meet him again? Yeah, but me and, I know me and Marcus Rashford would be boys. So it'd be fine. Oh, I'll, you, know, you know what the best move to do in that case? Yeah. So she's she's dating uh, Victoria Beckham, right? Is she, are they still together? Yeah, or yeah, yeah. I'm not really up there. But anyway, like imagine imagine you go up to them and ask David, yo, can you take a photo of me and Victoria? <laughs> <laughs> no, I already have a reputation for <laughs> for that kind of shit. <laughs> um, but um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Pro- I probably, yeah, I'm guessing Hamish... You asked that question because you wouldn't disturb anyone. I wouldn't disturb them during food for sure. Like I, I just kind of have the rule. Like if they're having dinner, like it's kind of weird to just go off and you know yeah. whether they're waiting for food or whatever. Like but then like if they're out in like in Sammy's scenario, like I guess I wouldn't say I don't see anything wrong with his scenario. Like I guess there was only them three in a park. He just happened to. I was just thinking like what where, what is the right time to like ask someone if they if they're on a date or something. Like would you walk up really? That was more of my question. No, I, I personally would never do that. See, if it was on the other hand, so say this when this podcast gets really famous and me and you are walking around the street and I'm walking around with my imaginary girlfriend and the... Uh, Your hand. <laughs> that's getting cut um, oh my God. The, See, I would be totally fine if someone came up and disturbed me. And then the problem would be if that caused loads of people to come up, like, then people start recognizing that it was you and then loads of people start coming over and disturbing you. What if it was like once every 10 minutes? Okay. Yeah. That's, that's a bit, uh, that's a bit shit. 
Because I was thinking, yeah, like, I literally don't want to be disturbed when I'm out. Like, maybe if I'm, maybe if I'm like, oh my, not not going to get anywhere, which is highly unlikely, or like we're just out chilling, like, and for some reason we're not at, like inside the Nando's or whatever we're chilling at, I wouldn't mind. But like, I, in reality, like, I don't want to be disturbed when I'm, you know, having dinner. I don't want eyes to be on me. Like, if I was on an imaginary date, then I also wouldn't want to be um, disturbed. You know, I wouldn't be left alone. So like, when is the right time that someone can actually, you know? I don't, I don't think there is a like. I don't think we can define a right time. It's just dependent on like the situation of the person, really. Maybe like if you, you know, if you're, if they were also in the audience of like a show, I guess, maybe that's a somewhat right time because I've done it. So I'm going to have to justify my own. <laughs> Wait, if, if this famous person's watching a show, you think? No, no, no. I mean, after the show. After the show. Yeah, yeah because you say you're like all exiting and they're just wait and you see them like, they just stood there like, would you, because you know how I manned them on the wall? I don't think um, Samuel may know that, but. Mandem on the wall were basically, I was leaving the Kevin, the arena for Kevin Hart with like Chris Anvalid and so on. And basically you have to walk all the way around and then the, the first, the main entrance that you leave at is basically the VIP exit. So Mandem on the wall were just standing there. Yeah. So obviously I got a picture of them. In Samo's scenario though, I think it's also okay sometimes if you just like, like you, you didn't ask for a picture or anything. You just kind of spoke to them. Like I, th- I yeah, think, I, just I think that's pretty yeah. cool in like, almost any scenario like dinner maybe not but like if you just see someone you're like oh how you doing like like you're right david like how's your day going whatever <laughs> he's like oh cool thanks i was like yeah safe hope you have a good day big up mark zuckerberg though for tro- like kind of just you know playing it off with you he probably gets that so much as well mm. like so he just like got you there he got you pretty good and now you just live with the moment that you spoke to mark zuckerberg but the coincidence to be in san francisco and then for a day and a half and then you happen to probably see Mark Zuckerberg. That's mad. The next day I actually went to uh, Palo Alto. I think it's in Palo Alto, yeah. the, the headquarters. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Try and catch him out and be like, do you remember me from yesterday? <laughs> yeah, I'm always the, kind of the, the adventurous type, you know, who always tries to get into all kind of crazy places or like sneak into something and stuff like that. And I actually tried to to go to, you know, I went up to... The headquarters, I said, oh, yeah, you know, I spoke to Mr. Zuckerberg yesterday. Really? Um, I have a meeting with, I, I swear I did. Oh, my God. I went after security. I said, oh, I spoke to, to Mark Zuckerberg yesterday. And I was like, I was wearing a t-shirt. I was wearing jeans, you know, nothing crazy. I have a meeting with him today. And they said, who are you? <laughs> and I told them, like, my name and stuff. And they basically, they verified, I think, with his security or something. She said, there's nothing on his schedule. And I said, I spoke with him. He was in the park in San Francisco, <laughs> right? Can I please go at least uh, speak to the secure to to the secretary? And they said like obviously they didn't let me in. You know I was some kid with a thick kind of Russian accent <laughs> in jeans outside of Facebook headquarters. <laughs> you should have said it was urgent news to do with his new house. <laughs> yeah, shit, I should have done that. But uh, it was fun, you know. I, I just I tried. You know, it's it's like cake. You gotta try. <laughs> yeah, but uh, that was my experience in in San Francisco. No, that actually leads to, I guess, the next story. So you snuck your, you snuck the transition in for us. Like we don't even have to do any work there. It says on the notes here that you snuck into a, a certain event by a certain individual. So I'll just let you go into the details of this because I'm actually very curious as to how the hell you managed to pull this off. Yeah. So uh... wait, one question, quick. Um, are you part of the NDL, Nico Defense League? <laughs> no. Yeah. Okay. Don't worry. Don't worry. Oh, you should, you should look into. The, you should look at the Nico Defense League. He's Nico. infamous for sneaking into the, I guess, ring oh, site. Are you kidding me? 
Oh, wow. Yeah, I'll check that out. That's that's my stuff. I'm also, you know, I didn't even know, you know, the Yes Theory guys on YouTube? Yeah. Yeah, so I didn't know about them, but it, their channel is amazing, right? I feel like if I ever had a YouTube channel, that would be me. But yeah, uh, so back to the topic, uh, yeah, Kim Kardashian, right? So where I lived in Montreal in 2018, so first year at Concordia, it was about 10 minutes walk from Museum of Fine Arts Montreal. And there was this French fashion designer of whom I forgot the name, right? It was, um, I can't remember. But essentially, it was his kind of lifetime work exhibition, right? And the guest of honor was obviously Kim Kardashian and Tyra Banks. And the whole Montreal media was exploding with those news that she's coming to Montreal to Museum of Fine Arts about a week prior to that. And it said on the news, you know, oh, yeah, you know, she's coming there at 6 p.m., you know, to attend this this show. I can't remember the fashion designer. It was, anyway, if I remember, I'll tell it after. But uh, I say, okay, I live 10 minutes away. Might as well, you know, go sneak a picture of her. So I come there at 5.30. There were already about 60 people waiting outside just next to the entrance. I was just decently kind of dressed because I just came from class. I take a look around and I saw that at the entrance, people were not showing any tickets. And I just squeezed through the crowd. And I I come up to the security guards. They just opened the door for me. I didn't say anything. They didn't say anything. And there inside, there was this registration. But the lobby was packed with people. And the registration ladies were just kind of like with iPads. You know, I suppose you had to show your ticket or something or just give your name. And I managed to sneak past that as well. So... Uh, I went to the coat check. I gave my coat. I, I had no idea what I was getting myself into, right? I didn't know if I was going to get my coat <laughs> back or anything, but I said, you know, well, fuck it. Let's, I'm here. Let's do it all the way to the end. Uh, I go to the coat check. I get my, my ticket and there's the red carpet, right? There's a red carpet with about 30 photographers with all kinds of people who are probably famous. I've never, you know, met them before, except for, for one. They're actually a very famous Montreal fashion designer called Fecal Matter. If you've heard about them. They had really, really bizarre costumes. Okay. Anyway, they were there and a bunch of others. So I go up to them, the red carpet, and the lady who was admitting people on it, I said, okay, do I have to sign anything or something? And she said, who are you? And I was like, in my head, fuck. And then in the next second, I said, just something out of my ass. I said, I'm independent director of Concordia Art Institute, which doesn't exist, by the way. Just go there, just go there. Yeah, and I just go to the red carpet, and look, I'm not kidding. For for the next 45 seconds, look here, look here, flash, flash, flash. <laughs> I was like posing. The other pictures, the other like actual pictures. Look, I actually tried getting them, but I couldn't manage this day. I really hope I get them one day. But before I went to the red carpet, I actually gave the lady uh, my phone to record me. I said it's just for my personal archives, okay. right? And the fact is, it was already recording at that time. So she pressed pause <gasps> instead of recording, oh. but I have just about of a second. You can see the flashes in me post. Okay. After that, I went off the red carpet and I spoke to a bunch of people. Like some of them are businessmen, some of them are photographers and so on. Really interesting folks. And obviously Kim K uh, comes fashion relate at 7 p.m. instead of 6. Classic. Music starts playing and everything. So I was standing right next to the red carpet. I was standing maybe a meter and a half away from her, right? I kind of took a selfie with me. She obviously didn't look at it, but uh, <laughs> yeah, so that was my story. And then after that, all the folks actually moved on to um, kind of a, some dinner quarters or something, yeah, yeah. which they were actually like, jacking and patting you down and showing you had to show your ticket and stuff, which I couldn't you know, get into. But it was a fun experience. It was a really fun experience. 
that's mad. I'm I'm not brave enough to do anything like that. Wait, what was the thing you said? Something of what Concordia? What? In one second, I bullshitted. I'm independent director of Concordia Art Institute. Concordia Smart University Art Institute is something that sounds fancy. And independent director is, I suppose, something they can really verify. So. I'm curious. I'm going to try and like, search it and see if there's a random article that just says that this person from this fake institute. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Yeah, but I hope I, I get to get those pictures. Yeah, that'd be sick. I, I'm actually going to search up which, which fashion designer it was. So it was for uh, Thierry Mugler. Yeah, and if you, if you write Kim Kardashian, Thierry Mugler, you get a picture of her on the red carpet on the same oh, one. The same I event. Did. Nice. The, um, <laughs> that, that's a cool story. Slight tangent. Do you know much about all the Kim Kardashian, Kanye West stuff at the moment? Nothing. I just know that Kanye ran for president and I saw his first rally. It was cringy. So yeah, what's what's up with him? Is he like, all right? Apparently he suffers from bipolar. I, d- I don't remember the exact, basically a switch in personalities you have. I don't know the correct way to say it, but I've read about and heard about and like seen, I guess, a few shows around it as well. But basically the same person, kind of basically has two personalities yeah, yeah. and they use their medication to stick to the correct one, I guess, or like to stay somewhat maintain but they don't take the medication or something or they have this kind of like i guess a this episode they may end up on their other personality which may not well which may be good or worse and it could probably lead to harm but imagine having nuclear codes with this disorder dude i don't think they'll be allowed to work in that kind of scenarios i mean but then say he i don't know if this this running for president thing's legit or whatever but I wouldn't put it oh, past it? the realms of possibilities that he ran and people voted for him. Like, it would never happen, you know? No, no, people said that about Trump. Trump's president, no? Just know that. No, no, no. Okay, obviously, obviously, but that's a different yeah. story. That's a completely different story. You know, he's an independent candidate. He's not a part of a... I don't, I don't even know. So I'm not very familiar with US history, but I don't think a, like a third-party candidate ever won... You know, it's always either Democrat yeah, or Republican. Yeah. And Trump had a, he had a bit of like a love affair with the presidency for years. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, the Kanye and Kim thing are apparently again divorced. I don't know. This by the time this episode comes out, you might know, you might not know. Because of apparently she cheated on him during their wedding, which wouldn't be a surprise. Oh, I thought it was just because of his like state right now. No, basically he's been trying to apparently get divorced for at least a year or something, and one of the reasons is that he claims that she allegedly slept with um, a few people, such as Drake is one of them. Oh my god. <laughs> yeah. Well, it wouldn't be a surprise, um, especially based on some Drake lyrics as well. Who was the other one that was said? I forgot there was someone else that was said as well. I know, this is the first time I've heard of this. Yeah, same. I think uh, there was Meek Mill cheating with someone. I'm not sure if it was Meek Mill and Kim K as well. Basically, I was just curious as to what the fuck's going on here when the Kanye West stuff blew up, because I was like, his bipolar stuff got exposed. I'm like, what? And then I was like, I still can't be fucked with Kanye West because even that, I don't think it kind of justifies some of the snaking or his actions in the past. So I've just kind of been like, yeah, oh well. No, I think he's just publicity stunt. I think he's she's gonna re- release a new album or something called like. Platinum I I have seen yeah. tweets claiming that apparently like every album he's released, some prior to it, he's done some like mad shit, and this is just another Possibly. another thing. But. Possibly. The big one I know is him versus 50 Cent, but that was 50 Cent sparking like a fake beef to drive both the album sales up. Not really. <laughs> yeah, that was a very long time ago, though. So it was like, if Kanye West outsells me, then I'll stop making music. But obviously, 
when Kanye Kanye West won that, but he didn't stop making music. It just drove their sales like insanely high. So they both made a win. Exactly the same story with uh, Conor McGregor and uh, Floyd Mayweather. Floyd, yeah, in two thousand eighteen or no seventeen. You know all the shit talking and everything, but if you have any, if you know anything about boxing, so I'm saying that because I used to be training boxing for like three yeah. years or so. If you know anything about boxing, you know that an MMA fighter, like even an animal like Conor McGregor, doesn't stand a chance against a professional boxer. Yeah, yeah. Right? So it does all this cloud, 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 and that's why so many people bought in into this show. That's why they made it three lifetimes yeah. of a fortune of you know basically half an hour. Yeah, I, I think he knew that as well, Conor McGregor. I think is massive. Yeah, oh, just a massive paycheck. Hundred percent, hundred percent. Do you like follow boxing much? Honestly, less than I would want to. Obviously, I you know I watch the big matches and so on. Is um is Mike Tyson coming back? Is that a thing? Yeah, he no, he actually has an exhibition match with someone. I forgot who it was, and I think Jake Paul's on the undercard. Yeah, or I saw that, but with someone. Oh my god, with someone else, yeah, John Cena. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I didn't know like how how legit that was. I've seen footage of Mike Tyson training recently. And he looks good, but. How old is he? I've got it here. Uh, 54. He's 54 years old. I don't know. Like, I mean, he is a bit of a specimen, but that'll be mad coming back at 54 years old. I mean, obviously, it's going to be for, for shows, right? Yeah. Because I feel like this is what sports are all about. I mean, at least, you know, let's say martial arts and so on, boxing. Lately, everything's coming, kind of becoming for uh, for show. Yeah. So, yeah. I, I don't know. Uh, Hamish, do you have any... Uh... Have you ever sneaked into an event? I don't think I've ever sneaked. In. I, the one time we could have was the 50, the fifty cent one when we had like the tickets that got voided, but we never did it because yeah, it just never happened. I think we spoke about it in the past as well, but I wish I would have sneaked into an event. Wait, what? Maybe there's something that I sneaked into the like, but not on the yeah, level yeah, that yeah, he no. did. Like, because <laughs> I always tell people if you're making up a joke or a lie, it has to be based on some truth, right? And he he had some truth in it, so the reason it came to his mind was based on some truth, and that's why it worked. Because he said like the city name, the university, and then he just made up some bullshit art institute. <laughs> yeah, so every good joke or a lie is based on truth. Yeah, and he he's just proven my theory. Like every good one is based off it. Yeah, you know what they say about jokes. Every every good joke, every good joke has some truth and pain in it. Truth yeah, and pain. yeah. See, that's the thing I go off. Yeah, and mate, I literally am. I'm stuck speechless here after your like Kim <laughs> K event. You met Mark Zuckerberg. Yeah, that was one of the highlights of the year, definitely. That was one of the funny things. I actually tried to get my friend in as well, but she was she just missed it a little bit after Kim Kardashian. That might have been a stretch too far. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> So, so what are you doing now? So right now, I still have a year to graduate. This year, I'm working. This summer, I'm working in uh, close to Toronto, basically door-to-door sales. Right? It's a concept which is very, very common in, uh, let's say, North America, but completely uncommon in in Europe. Yeah. Right? In Europe, when you think about door-to-door sales, you think about uh, the Jehovah's Witnesses or somebody selling strawberries. But here, the service industry is huge, right? In my case, in my case, I'm selling pest control for one of the biggest, you know, residential pest control companies in, in, in the world as well. And the fact is, you know, door to door is, is hard. It's, it's a hard job. There's a lot of rejection. Uh, you know, you got to persist, especially in the heat of the summer, but it also pays really well. Oh, really? Right. So, okay. Yeah. It, it pays incredibly well. It, I mean, obviously it's, Purely commission-based. You don't get a uh, fixed salary. You only make as much as you sell. But if you're good at it, you'll do really well. 
Exactly, exactly. And we're talking for an average, average student, you know, let's say average first year student, I would say who works for about three, four months over the summer, you can easily make on average about equivalent of 20,000 pounds. That's it. If you, if you work harder, if you work more, if you bring in some other experience, right, then it can go up even to 80,000 or so oh, on. Right? It's crazy. It's crazy. So what, what made you want to do it? Again, it all comes down to my buddy that I met in San Diego. <laughs> Actually, you know what? I just decided he's going to be the person that I will uh, nominate for the episode because he has a lot of interesting things to say. Yeah. So his name is Roshan. So basically, you know, a year after we were in this cryptocurrency stuff, he started working with this, with this company because they have, they have quite prominent on campus advertising and, and, you know, and everything, especially in US schools. And he worked in that for about three years mm-hmm. or so. And then he became heroes, you know, on the on the leadership, you know, works for corporate. And he told me, we're opening an office in our first Canadian office. If you want to put together a team, you can run it. Oh, nice. So I did that. You know, I put together a team of which majority quit because of COVID. And then partially because of that, partially because of logistics, uh, we actually merged with that Canadian branch of the company. So now I work under them, but it's practically the same. Right. It's practically the same, except I, I, I don't manage any people this year. I might do that next year. But, you know, I work pretty much six hours. No, no, sorry. Six days, about nine to 11 hours a day. Wow. Okay. From morning to evening. But it pays well. You know, it pays well. Uh, I'm still on track. I'm looking to get 300 sales this, this yeah. summer. If I manage to do that, you know, I can easily pay for my tuition, my living expenses and have quite a bit of money left on the side. So, yeah, the reason why I wanted to mention this, you know, in case anybody who's listening to to this podcast, because I know a lot of people in Europe, they got work travel visas for North America, right? If you're looking to make some extra money, some serious extra money, if you're willing to work hard for, let's say, two, three months, maybe over the summer, right? And then travel for one month or even, you know, for three months, because usually those visas are for half a year. You know, do something like that. Do door-to-door sales. Uh, do door-to-door sales. It's it's crazy. Your you know communication skills are gonna go through the roof. You learn how to deal with rejection, and also you have fun because all those all those people who work there are usually college kids. You know, like myself and yourself. And you know, you have fun. You work hard. You also play hard. And then at the end of summer, you have something to show for it. And imagine, like where you write so much. Yeah, as you said, it's not a very common thing here because I think. If you went door to door here, you probably just get the door shut in your face, really, or just exactly. not yeah. even answering. It's completely different, right? It's in, I would say North America, especially in Canada. You know, people are willing to listen to you, and also it's an economy where people are used to buying services. Yeah. You know, they're used to buying a lot of services, way more than Europe, and this is just one way of marketing them. You know, which is yeah. so. What are you selling? Pest control. Pest, Pest control. control. Okay. Right. Uh, so I could have done with that it's, it's not a, a little while ago. <laughs> You know, in Europe, for example, there's there's a big structural difference between Europe and uh, North America. For example, in North America, every house or let's say a big majority of houses have wooden structure and then brick on top of it, as opposed to Europe where it's basically brick on brick, right? I would say the quality of structures is way higher in Europe, but in North America, because of the way things are built, there's way more past. And this is why this industry is actually booming. It's a sleeper industry, but there's enormous money. In yeah. It. Do you have a... Uh an opening line so you knock on the door and they they open what do you say aaron's looking for pickup lines by the <laughs> way in case you didn't figure that out <laughs> yeah so i i can you know so when i knock the doors again these are completely cold leads yeah, yeah. right 
people who have not signed up for anything, any email or anything like that, right? You just come up to a neighborhood, usually where people have, you know, in previous years bought the service or sometimes completely new one, where, you know, you assume there's a lot of pests. And I just knock the doors. They say, yeah, what's up? I say, hey, real quick, I'm out here with Pest Connect. Not sure if you know them, but we're servicing uh, Michael on 13, uh, Elizabeth on 12, and uh, John on 16. You know that? Is this made up? No, it's uh, you actually have leads, okay. but sometimes you have to make okay, up. Okay, okay, yeah. Like, it involves a lot of bullshit. I mean, okay, don't get me wrong. It doesn't involve bullshit. You always speak the truth. You don't overpromise anything, right? But in order, you know, to get people interested, you sometimes have to, you know, be creative with what you say right so third party oftentimes obviously you know if they're next door neighbors you're gonna say yeah yeah, you know you know them and then you nod because it's gonna make them nod and say yes even though they don't know them right because you got to get people on yes train that's the whole point of sales have you watched white collar the tv show never you should you should watch it and you basically you're 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 gonna turn out into a um, con man um like the main character (laughs) he's a master of i guess talking his way into shit so I wrote it down. I wrote it down. Yeah, but door-to-door sales, look, it's it's literally all persuasion, right? It's literally all persuasion. So there's three points. You have to know what to say, how to say it, and how to read people, right? And when you master all those three aspects, you can make some nice money. I'm not going to lie. So I I've personally, I've never done this before. This year, uh, I'm the, the top rookie in the company and also third oh, overall, man. right? But uh, I've always kind of been interested in, you know, this type of stuff and negotiation. I've also been quite involved in Model United Nations in, in university. And that definitely helps. Are you guys familiar with Model United Nations? No, we're not very familiar with anything. <laughs> <laughs> also, it's a big thing all over the world, not just North America. It's basically a uh, one of the most, let's say, widespread extracurricular activities, you know, in high schools, colleges around the world. Even it's kind of a simulation of... You know, actually, United Nations, you get sorted in different committees, you have different topics. And then you have to work with and at the same time against other people, right? And literally, the winner is determined. You know, there's usually committees between 15 to 300 people. And you got to be most, you know, coherent, have the best ideas, present them in the best manner, you know, be diplomatic and so on. And I, I feel like this, you know, doing quite a lot of this over the past two years at Concordia, has definitely helped with this job, you know, because, you know, you learn how to read people, you know, you learn how to be a little bit more persuasive and so on. And when you meet somebody for the first time, when they don't know anything about you, about your service and so on, you just got to, you know, and you know that everybody's attention span is very limited, right? So it's up to you to present them in a short and efficient manner, right? And at the same time, be likable enough so they're going to buy the service. Because the average contract value that I'm selling is... 600 Canadian dollars, right? Spread out through our, through four installments over the year. And I feel like, you know, just generally speaking, I personally find pleasure in, you know, meeting somebody for the first time and within the next, you know, it depends from 10 minutes to half an hour selling them, you know, getting them to give me their credit card information for $600 stuff. That's like 180K a year. So sales that you made the company. Uh, so, so far, my contract value sold is, yeah, it's going to be right. So right now I'm at 227, uh, which is a little bit ahead of my goal of 300 by the end of August. But uh, that's good. That's good. Hopefully we'll reach it. Yeah. No, but it's great. You know, again, if anybody is, you know, looking to, to get a work visa in North America, this is definitely something you want to check out. You can also hit me up. I'm pretty sure my name is going to be posted on your page, guys, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, there you go. You can just hit me up. Uh, you know, I can I can let you know everything and more. 
And it's a great thing to do. Also companies, because the fact is this industry is quite demanding, right? And companies, they look for, for, for people working door to door all the time because you show persistency, consistency, and you learn to read people. And also a lot of the reps actually get massive offers for jobs on the doors, right? So quite a, quite a lot of my buddies, they've gotten, they're working jobs that good positions, right? That they were given or offered by the people they were selling. And me personally, so I was selling to this lady who ended up not buying, but she saw that, you know, I was persistent and so on. And she said, look, I'm always looking for, you know, people like that. Uh, I work with quite a lot of salesmen, you know, give me your number. Uh, so I have yours and I'll text you mine. So after you graduate, he hit me up. She gave me her name. The next morning when I checked her, she happens to be the CEO and president of HP Canada, right? And you get to meet people all the time like that. That's crazy. So yeah, door to door, definitely kind of a sleeper industry. But if you have the balls to do it and also the energy, I would say, you know, persistence is the, obviously the most important thing you have. If you decide to do it, if you stick to it for a little bit, I'm not saying years, but a few months, you know, you're going to be, you know, you can have good returns on it. And it, it has a lot of upsides. You know, you, you tend to get a little bit fitter over the summer. You get a sweet tan, even though it's farmer's tan. I have my, you know, tan sleeves. My body's all white. But generally speaking, you know, regardless of what you're looking for, you know, in a summer job, I think it's it's a fantastic opportunity. Obviously, internships are different. It's a little bit more for CV building. But so is this, you know, because if you say that you've demonstrated this and that, a lot of companies are going to go for you. Yeah, yeah. And also in terms of financials, you know, the the commissions can get as high as 40, 50% even sometimes, and it can be really, really rewarding. It's a good job to do. Yeah, awesome. I think I think we've uh, covered quite a lot. This episode, episode's been great. It's gone like really smoothly, which is good. Anything else anyone want to talk about? Honestly, yeah, we covered a lot of stuff. If there's anything, you know, I just, I want to say to everybody who listens to this, just, you know, go out there. Try to play the system sometimes a little bit and don't be afraid to do stuff you would normally not do when it comes to either work or travel or anything else. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I think that's a Because at the message. end of the day, when you're 50 years old, you know, it's a good thing to not have any regrets about things you didn't do that you wanted to do. This is how I, I try to live, you know, when I'm 50 years old, when I sit down on the couch and I say, I'm, I don't want to say, oh, I wanted to do this, but I didn't do it. Yeah, Aaron, I can't wait to sneak into some fake podcast awards. Not fake podcast, you know, like a <laughs> podcast award that was some fake. Yeah. I hope yeah, I'm invited yeah. when you guys are famous. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you'll be you'll be there. It'll be probably this episode that makes us famous. Kim K in the same Kanye West 140k, <laughs> like the mark clickbait. Kim and Kanye are gonna be the openers for you guys. <laughs> It'll be more likely that me and Hamish can't get into the event and you're already in there. Yeah. Somehow. <laughs> um <laughs> But yeah, Samo, so we end off each episode with some final questions. They're like different for each guest apart from the third one. Uh, so the first one we have is, what is one word or phrase you would use to describe yourself? I would say spontaneous. Because yeah. I sometimes make rash decisions, whether they're good or not, but I very rarely regret them. So I would say spontaneous, yeah. Yeah, awesome. Yeah, and the second question is, you're on death row. What is your chosen meal that you'd have? It could be three course, whatever, anything you want. Three cores. That's a tough one. First one is way easier. Honestly, like I would do some seafood as a, uh, as an, uh, how do you say, uh, antipasti, you know, like the opening, the pre yeah, course. Yeah. And I would have pizza. I would have a nasty, fat ass pizza. Pizza. As a main, yeah. 
uh, and then for for dessert, I would probably have I would probably have baklava. You guys obviously know what that is, right? No, 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 no. You're thinking too classy, too classy for us. Baklava, baklava. No, baklava. That's that's a kind of a Turkish dessert. Yeah, it's no, it's not. No, it's not classy at all. Oh, and I was saying classy. That may be too like classy for me. <laughs> not even, not okay. even. I I recognize like the. From the pictures, I I yeah, yeah. recognize it, but I, I don't know if I would have known it was called baklava. I won't be able to pronounce it, so I'm not going to bother. <laughs> <laughs> the, yeah, uh, kind of a dessert made of uh, lots of lots of uh, walnuts, some pastry, kind of sweet water, sugar. It's really good. I think it originates from either Turkey or Greece, but I think Turkey. I hope Turkish or Greek people are not angry if they're listening to this. <laughs> On the pizza stuff, I, I was up like too late last night. For some reason, watching competitive eating videos on YouTube, <laughs> I got I got I got stuck in the rabbit hole of uh, Mr. Beast uploaded a video. Oh my god! Yeah, <laughs> him and Joey Chestnut, him going against Joey Chestnut to eat like the largest pizza or something, and Joey Chestnut's the has the world record for like competitive eating hot dogs and stuff like that. And um, yeah, it was just weird, just mad, mad stuff, mad stuff. But uh, yeah, that was. Yeah, weird. A few years ago, I think it was Mr. Beast. He drank like a gallon of olive oil. He said for the troops in the U.S. Oh, it's what? crazy. Uh, it's it's this guy is actually crazy. Don't get me wrong, olive oil was nice, but I don't know if it's that nice. <laughs> <laughs> I don't wait a gallon of olive oil all at once. He drank. He literally chugged a gallon of olive oil. I swear that's got like some health. That's there, there dodgy, has to be man. something that there has to be something that was off here because there's no way, according to my biological understanding, that that would have ended well. Yeah, it's called. Oh no, no, it's it's actually not Mr. Beast. It's um Skippy sixty two Abel, who is one of those people who eat crazy as well. But the title <laughs> of the video is "Idiot Consumes Twenty Four Thousand Calories <laughs> of Fat in Three Minutes." <laughs> I like how he prefixed it with "idiot." <laughs> fair play, fair play. Um, yeah. <laughs> but it's something to see. <laughs> yeah. Okay, third and final question. So this is a question we ask every guest, and that has been: What has been your most memorable third wheeling experience? I mean, I've I've been pretty late to the dating game, right? So I suppose I third wheeled quite a lot when I was younger. Well, I remember my friend having sex um, on top of my bedroom in his house, and it was really loud. I think that was the most memorable one. <laughs> yeah, that, that sounds pretty memorable. Yeah, yeah, that, that passes. Uh, but uh, luckily, I haven't experienced too much of, of that type of stuff. <laughs> yeah, I, th- I think it's good. It's a good sign if you found it hard to answer the question. Yeah, I suppose that's a good. You could put good. it that way. You could put it that way. <laughs> Sweet. And the next section is like a call out or a nomination for one or many people that you'd like to see on the podcast in the future. Is there anyone you have in mind? Yeah. So my buddy Ro- uh, Roshan, definitely him. He's actually really, really busy. I'm pretty sure he'll find time. But uh, I'll also nominate a second person uh, who's my friend from Slovenia. His name is Nate. Yeah. And it's a very Slovenian name. He's also really awesome, involved in a bunch of, of different stuff. And fun fact, he actually runs a number one business podcast in Slovenia. Uh, oh, wow. Recently, yeah. So I think he would be very, very interesting to, to talk to. He also switches between Germany and Slovenia very, very often. So okay, that's why I'm cool. those two people. Well, yeah, we'll we'll get in touch with them. Mm-hmm. And yeah. last bits of shout out. So just we can basically floors ours for anything we want to basically shout out, anything that comes to your mind. It can literally be anything. So Samo, have you anything? Yeah, give me guys a follow on Instagram. I want to follow Samo. 
<laughs> yeah, unfollow Samma. So yeah, link will be in the description. So go check Samma. Yeah, it's it's a really nice. Uh, yeah, I mean you've been traveling a lot, so I think your Instagram's actually like quite a. Yeah, I also see meet, on it. you know new people always. I have this thing that if somebody could I don't know follows me on Instagram, I always like chat them up. Hey, you know what's going on? What are you up to? Yeah, because I feel like you know you gotta use social media for social purposes. So yeah, and if they need some pest control or that. <laughs> As long as you live in North America, I can hook you up with a half off anytime. Yeah. Havish, <laughs> uh, hey, anything? Yeah, I was going to say, um, I didn't know that Samuel was going to shout his social media. I was going to say, yes, check out all the third wheel socials, drop us a follow or a like on there. We don't say it often, but yeah, it would be nice to just increase our follow account. <laughs> um, we've just been just letting people follow it, like, I guess, as their friends come on. But yeah, if you haven't already followed it, go ahead, follow it. Um, we appreciate it. Subscribe on YouTube, whatever. Five star rating on. Apple, I think it is. Apple Podcasts. Yeah, my shout out is uh, Samo, are you a football fan at all? Or like follow it? Football or soccer? Football, football. Uh, more basketball, but yeah, I, I watch football. Yeah. I, I mean like soccer. Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah. So I'm a big, my shout out is going to go to uh, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. So I'm a big Manchester United <laughs> fan. And I feel like he has done a great job with us this season. Okay, you, you shouldn't celebrate third, but Nobody expected us to get third and he's done it and people are like, gave him a lot of shit. So I'm just going to give a shout out to him. By the time this comes out, we could have lost about 5-0 in the Europa League final or whatever. I don't know, but <laughs> for the Premier League as well, I'm going to give him a shout out because I'm backing him. Also a shout out to, wait, let me, let me get his name. Actually, I don't know if I can pronounce it. Where's it going to be? Shout out to Fiasa Ganesan. If you watch Indian matchmaking, you know, but shout out to him. Just a lovely bloke. <laughs> um this guy yeah um thanks thanks so much samo for coming on thank you guys it was an absolute pleasure this was a really fun episode really interesting as well really yeah, great to meet you hopefully in your travels some point we can cross paths i would be very happy i'm planning on going to the uk uh sometimes this year uh, i mean next year 2021 when the borders open right and if you guys are around i'll be very very happy to you know touch with you just let us know when and where <laughs> and yeah hope everyone else has also enjoyed the episode and we will catch you next week yeah bye all right see you guys bye bye bye